once again, the Good Darts podcast, very much like Raymond Van Barneveld, is back, but with much less fanfare and nowhere near the levels of success. Brought to you by the good people at Low Six, the people behind the PDC Picks app. We've got loads to discuss after the vagaries of Bolton's Wi-Fi and 4G signal kiboshed our plans last week at the Super Series. I am Dan Dawson. He is Wayne Mardle. Uh, I don't know who you are, but welcome along anyway. Uh, we've got a man who is part darts player, uh, part social media influence on the way. That's Matt Edgar. We're looking ahead to the UK Open. Uh, and first, we've got the Super Series to discuss. Wayne, first off, welcome. It has been several days. It's been too long since I spoke to you last. Yeah, yes, it, it has. And uh, apart from uh, Mrs. Mardle, uh, you're the, the first person I've kind of liaise with it if you will oh oh no that's actually a lie i, I had a, an hour-long conversation with john Gwynn uh just ah. today uh that was really nice actually he's, he's not he's not well bless him and we we when i say we i mean like the, the darting we, we send yeah. him out our regards uh just kind of give it so so as things john uh well i've i've made a stew i can't wait to eat that later <laughs> <laughs> I went to him, you're all right, pal, you're all right. And then he started telling me about Man City's run of 21 games. Yeah. And you know when you're thinking... Do you know, yeah, I met this, Colin this, Bell. This I was talking to Colin it. Bell in 1981. <laughs> and he said to me, John, you're the finest commentator I've ever heard. And you know what? He was right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly... I've but, had these yeah, conversations with Gwyneth. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I haven't spoken to him in, in too long. And yeah, he phoned, phoned up and that, that took a, a large chunk of my morning up, which, to be honest, Dan, that's been the highlight a highlight since talking to you last. Wow. Well, you did get the Super Series. How much of the Super Series did you watch? And this is the point I remind you that you're here as a darts expert and you can't go, yeah, sacked it off. I just played with the dogs for four days. Do you know, I I didn't play with the dogs. I, when I did, the darts had, had finished. I followed a lot of it. I have to say, uh, right. I, I have a couple of interests. I, I, because I, I've I've done coaching with a few players uh, in sort of the, the last year or so. I want to see how they're getting on, mm-hmm. and so I, I have a I have a, a vested interest. But it was just all about. I, I know you mentioned Barney, but it was all about Joe. It was all about Johnny Clayton. Oh, yeah. what on earth? Well, look, Seriously, I mean, what on earth? Look, right last last week, my plan was well, do we'll do it from Bolton. We'll pick uh, we'll pick a team each, like three players, um, uh, you know, one from the top sixteen, one outside, and then one of the newcomers or whatever, and we'll award them points for how they do with the Super Series. Uh, I would have picked Joe Cullen, Johnny Clayton, and Alan Souter. So let's just say that I'd have wiped the floor with you. Wayne, because because those three would have been absolutely unbeatable. Let's start with Johnny Clayton. Yeah. I, look, I, I interviewed him. I interviewed. I spoke to him quite a lot over those four days because he just kept on winning. He doesn't yeah. know why he's playing so well. He's just having fun and really enjoying yeah. it. But in terms of playing well, we are talking absolutely world class one of the best players on the planet right now, if not the best right now. And I don't want to just base it on yeah. what one Masters tournament and four days of Pro Tour stuff, but flipping Eck, it is very, very good. It is just so improved. And and the thing with, with Johnny, and he gets asked all the time, when are you packing up work? And it oh, is boring. Forget about that. Yeah, it forget about that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, no, it doesn't matter. And that's the old point. Uh, Dan, it doesn't matter. He's mm. so happy with just the way that he's... And I'm going to put it this way, and quote, unquote, 
the way his hobby is going, that <laughs> it, it's just outrageous. He's playing the darts of his life because he's happy, because, do you know what? He doesn't put the pressure on himself like others do. And when he loses, uh, which which is quite rare, uh, mm. it, it's one of those, oh, do you know what? Look, look what I won today. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed. And the, the games he did lose, lost in two finals, eight, seven. So for, for another two legs going going each uh, another way, he could have won three of the four. Yeah. But I, you know, you know, you've, you, you watch more darts than I do. The, the spells in which these players go through, we saw it with Wright a couple of years ago, then uh, Gedewin Price last year. Every tournament he entered, you think he's going to win. Michael Van Gerwen from 2013 to 2019, more or less. Uh, Dimitri has gone for a spell. Uh, look, these players are so capable. And Clayton's having his run. Will it continue... Uh, yeah, but for how long? It might be weeks, it might be months, who knows? But um, yeah, that's the what thing. he's it... doing right, he's, he's just going along with it, isn't he? He's not worried about it, it running out, he's just enjoying life now. Well, look, the, the past five years, Johnny Clayton has won one title a year, and he hadn't won more than one title a year. And then now, this year, he's won two, and as you say, he lost in very, very tight finals and, and games that I think probably... One of them he should have won, one of them he could have won. Yeah. He could have had four titles yeah. for the first six events, including the World Championship, yeah. of 2021, which is absolutely mind-blowing for a guy who only picked up one title a year. Because, as we've said before in this podcast, he's a guy who normally... He's either he's good on the day and he'll be in the semis of the final and might even win, or he, he might be a round one, round two job. That's why he's you know yeah. he's always... He's always been good and dangerous, but he's not picking up a load of titles. He's not done what Gerwin Price has done and Michael Van Gerwen and Peter Wright, where they yeah. pick up title after title after title uh, over the course of 12 yeah. months. But that might be changing, and it might just be the fact that all he said was confidence. I mean, he won a big TV title. He's the last man through the door for the Premier League this year, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and thinking he's the form man in the Premier League. I would imagine that the bookies were probably thinking, well, Johnny Clayton, he's probably going to finish. He's in danger of being eliminated for the Premier League when, yeah. when if you've been told he was going to be the 10th person. And now you're thinking, he's he's a top four man. He might be making the semis of the final, winning the thing, the way things are going. Particularly when you look at the big three, as it were, MVG, Peter Wright and Michael Van Gogh, uh, MVG, Peter Wright and Gerwin Price. And they weren't impressive at all. And Gerwin Price was so poor, no. he lost to Aaron Beanie and then went home halfway through the Super Series. What do you make of this, Wayne? Uh, did he say he had some kind of ear infection? Yeah, or, and apparently or... this is something he's had before, but ultimately he, he wasn't He wasn't good and he decided no. that all nothing I'll good was going to come of it, I'll... so he went home. No, no. All I'll say is that he, he was world-class when he had like a... Uh, a I'm going to say a snapped Achilles tendon. So mm. I, I can't see that uh, an ear infection being worse. But kind of, in a way, joking aside, I, I, Wright's not looking at it. Van Gerwen... Did you see his darts? Good. Did you see, and, look, and I know we've said many times, yeah. it's not the darts. It yeah. isn't the darts. But the ones you were throwing were absolutely ridiculous. They're about the size... Yeah. Of an AA battery, if that smaller than that, they were tiny little things. They're pathetic. Stephen Bunting would have picked those darts up and gone, "Well, oh, they're a bit small, aren't they?" 
Like, they, they were disgusted. They weren't flying properly. I mean, he still chucked some 100 averages with them, which is ridiculous. I saw him on the the third or the fourth day, can't remember, and went up to him before the tournament started. Said, what darts are you playing with today, Peter? And he showed me the ones in his hand, and they were like his diamond darts, the normal-looking darts. I went, not these ones, I'm yeah. just practising with them. I'm going to throw the other ones yet that I had yesterday. And I, I just yeah. walked off. I had no... I, I, they obviously... They are obviously not the darts that Peter Wright is going to go and throw world record averages with, which he's done no. with other darts. Lots of different darts, but yeah. similar sorts of darts. It, it's ridiculous. Um, so he's playing it's... silly buggers with his darts. MVG was playing all right, but not winning games you would expect him to win. And Gerwin Price only managed two days and didn't do anything in those two days. That's worrying times for the, the big three that dominated the sport last year. Well, and and you've, got, you've got others in there that, that are potential winners. Uh, and I'm thinking more like sort of Premier League here. You got Dimitri that played pretty well over the over yeah, the four days, but couldn't, couldn't win, a, win game. a game. It was like one one game. <laughs> he lost with uh, 109 average. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I know, I know. But what we're getting at here, what we're getting at here is is Johnny Clayton at the moment does not have an on form Van Gerwen to beat, an on form right, an on form Gerwin Price. Uh, Gary Anderson looked decent until he throws in a, a, an 80 average. Mm. None of them, none of them, game in, game out, are playing better than Johnny Clayton. Well, Johnny Clayton, Joe no, no Cullen, who was also excellent, he, I don't think he was very far behind until the final day uh, when Clayton really stamped his authority and, and, and got 1-1. Yeah. One, one. yeah. Um, but we're going to have to come to him and uh, have to say, you know, this is this is where you and I are going to disagree as usual. Raymond van Barneveld. So Raymond van Barneveld, a man who didn't win uh, at Q School, didn't win an overall day, but got his tour card pretty comfortably on points. A man who hadn't won a pro toy event. Very comfortably. Come on now. He hadn't won a pro toy event for eight years. He hadn't won anything at all for seven years. And quite frankly, the last three or four years of his PDC career were characterised by him moping around, not looking interested, not looking like he cared, and having a sense of entitlement that felt that he should be in all of these tournaments despite not having produced anything, actually played like the Barney of 10 years ago for most of the Super Series. And hats off to him, he was he was superb. And even though I thought perhaps he was a little bit fortunate to win the final against Joe Cullen on the yeah. day, his performances over the Super Series certainly merited him being considered one of the very best players. I'm talking top five over the course of the the, the four day spell, if you like. You weren't surprised, though, were you? No, I'm. I'm never surprised when someone with that uh, ability crops up and, and wins. Like I've got. But why it in weren't my you surprised? He hasn't done it for the best part of a decade. Surely you should be surprised. You've not let me finish. Okay. This is this is so Dawson. Just just shut, just shut up for a second. <laughs> uh, it's like Adrian Lewis. I I, I envisage. I, I predict that within the next kind of year or so, he's going to crop up with a win somewhere. I don't see how these players with that that innate ability can just all of a sudden not produce it for a day. He wasn't brilliant uh, by any means, uh, but he was good enough when he had to be. And the the one four four was magnificent in the final against Joe. Joe was unlucky. Come on, let's be fair. On any other given day, he might have won that. But I I, I have this theory, uh, and you know my theories. Uh, mm, I love your they're, theories. They're, they're Go always, on, give us a theory. Yeah, they're they're great. 
Right. This is my theory. I reckon uh, his, his management team, Dizwan, uh, his practice partner, and whoever it is around him at the moment is giving it right. Listen, listen. Oh, it, including his go. manager, Bendy Cock. Let's get him in there. He yeah, always gets Bendy name Cock. checked, Bendy yeah. Cock. Yeah. Genuinely, and, and why he? wouldn't he? And, yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. be name checking him all <laughs> yeah, the time. You're, you're if I had a manager make, called Bendy Cock. I'd be, <laughs> yeah, I would be name checking him in every single yeah. interview. Uh, thank you very much to Ben. In fact, you know what? I'm going to name check him as much as possible in this podcast. Thank you very much. If you're listening, Ben, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Bendy Cock. Go on, Wayne. Sorry. So, with, with, with uh, Bendy Cock, uh, obviously <laughs> influencing uh, our, what Barney's doing, because let's be fair, he, Barney's management team before Bendy Cock was, was Jacko as, as and, and we know we know Jacko. Yeah, I like Jacko. Uh, I know man. Jacko. I know Jacko more than I do Bendy Cock. If I, if I'm not, uh, if I'm you're being not honest. familiar with but, Bendy Cock. Ben, that's what we're saying. But but Bendy Cock. No, this is this has got to stop. But anyway, <laughs> I, I reckon they've said to him. I reckon they've said to Barney. Right, if you shake your head once uh, in the next year. I, I, the contract is null and void. You're not you're not getting a penny of your own winnings. If mm. you say you're tired once, if you say I don't enjoy this, if you say uh, anything, anything that's negative, Raymond, Raymond, we're all going to walk away from you. I think this is the year where he has no excuses. He's got no excuses. He can't say he's tired. He can't say he's sick of it. He can't say, Do you know what, I don't enjoy this anymore because he couldn't wait to get back. I don't care the reasons. I, look, a lot of people have said he's come back because of of financial gain. Well, so what? But you still got, yeah. you still got to do it. And I'm pleased for him. I'm pleased because as we stand now, it being the worlds, if if he can pull out another couple of good performances, it being the match play, it being the the, the uh, Grand Prix, and who knows what else he can qualify for. And I want to see him perform in those events because that those are the events he'll be judged on. Mm. And if he if I if I read once that I, I get on really well with Raymond. If I read once that oh, I'm, I'm I'm tired or do you know what I, I don't enjoy these events, I personally will text him and say, <laughs> "Bendy Cock <laughs> needs to have a word with you, Raymond." Yeah, Bendy <laughs> Cock needs to keep you on the straight and narrow. Uh, well, look, uh, yes. he does. He yes. does have. He does have the uh, opportunity of performing in an event that he's won a couple of times before in the UK Open. We're going to be talking the UK Open uh, later on. And in fact, the draw has been fantastic because a guy who I absolutely adored watching at the Super Series, loved watching him at Q School. We mentioned him last time out on the podcast. He's been pitted against Barney in Alan Souter. And we're going yes. to talk about that game because I think it's an absolutely phenomenal matchup. Um, yep. But that's the Super Series all wrapped up. Uh, we will have another four days of Super Series action as well in just under a fortnight, actually. Uh, and we did have markets on on the PDC Picks app to win cash prizes in free-to-enter tournaments uh, during the Super Series. So keep an eye out for those when it comes back around. We'll keep you posted on that. Hopefully give you a steer on who to back because I say, if technology allowing, I would have told you, Clayton, Cullen, Alan Souter, they're the three to back and you'd have been rolling in money. You'd have been absolutely rolling in money. You'd be sat there in a crown driving a Lamborghini right now. But unfortunately, the Wi-Fi at Bolton was just not good enough. So sorry about that. Um, however... 
Uh, our guest on the podcast is none of these guys who played amazingly and won all these games. It was a guy who actually played all right, didn't win a single game at the Super Series. So it's completely in keeping that the podcast would speak to him at this particular time. Uh, he is part dart player, part wrestler, part many things. Uh, it is Matt Edgar. These are the questions that you should be asking. Well, a big good darts podcast. Welcome to the primetime player, the, hang on, what else? Standard bearer. The 170 machine. There are many, many names for this man, but Matt Edgar is one that we can use. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, which name are you going by today? Oh, well, I've logged into this as the 170 machine, right. so we'll go with that one for today. We're going to go with that one, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, do you want to do you want to explain why you're the 170 machine, or should we just does everybody know already? Well, people might not know the story because I don't like to talk about it too often. <laughs> But there was once a game at the Summer Series last year in which I beat Gary Anderson, one of the greatest players that has ever mm-hmm. graced the game of darts. I beat him with 170 finish. Wow, that's amazing. Well, look, that, that sort of thing, that sort of thing about which most darts players can only dream of doing, you probably spent your childhood dreaming of doing that because you were a proper darts geek as a kid weren't you there's loads of photos of you like the match play and getting your pick with various players all that sort of stuff darts was your thing when you were a kid yeah um like say some of those photos of the match play you know there i am with dennis Priestley and my dennis Priestley red and black leather jackets and a dennis <laughs> the menace doll in my hand you know a lot, some people wanted to be alan shearer and mm. i wanted to be dennis Priestley. so yeah it, it, darts has always been a big thing for me so how how did it start then? Because it's not just darts you're into. I mean, you, you're you're very much uh, interested and have a stake in in lots of different sporting endeavours. But we'll come to that. How did you get into darts? Potluck, absolute potluck. So I was on Blackpool again. Seems to be a common theme with me on Blackpool. Mm. Um, so I was in Blackpool, family holiday, just a couple of days away, and it was time to go home. And like every child who goes away, you don't want to go home with money. You want to spend every penny you've got. And I had a quid left and we was coming off a of Blackpool North Pier. And there was literally a sticky dartboard on the yeah. exit. And I'm like, look, I'll buy this. I want this. And they're like, okay, go. And then I went and spent my quid. I got a sticky dartboard, put it up on the door. And I just wouldn't get off of it. I just played on it and played and played and kept playing. What's it like? Those felt darts, those ones, those little round ones with the sort of sticky um, Velcro. That's what I mean. No, no, it weren't even that good. Um, you had to lick the darts. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a suction dart thing. You had to lick it to try and yeah. get a bit of suction. And, and like a bit it. of lino that you hang up on the door or whatever, basically. Pretty much, yeah. That's how the dream began, you know, like wow. every uh, good fairy tale. So... <laughs> But uh, we used to live above a shop because my dad was a shopkeeper. And then we, they got in this dartboard. It was like £4.99. It was wooden dartboard, you know, the, with the little plastic darts. And my dad said, oh, you like darts. We'll, we'll just take this upstairs and you can have this. So went upstairs, used that. And within a couple of days, it looked like it had been attacked by a herd of woodpeckers. It was absolutely trashed. So he decided that at that point was going to get me a proper dartboard and same sort of story i just wouldn't leave it alone and it actually was ironic because when i then went to see my nan my nan's like oh i understand you're you're liking darts at the minute and she's like yeah and she was like um, oh look at this and my granddad actually turned out to be a big player back in the 1960s mm. so 
he played at the Alexandra Palace, which was ironic when I then played at the Alexandra Palace because he was there for the News of the World quarterfinal. Yeah, that was when they were hanging yeah, off the rafters for those. That They were enormous events back in the day at Ali Pali. Sounds like one of my matches, though, you know, Alexandra Pali's hanging from the rafters, <laughs> full of loads of people all looking for the uh, for the Edgar's arrival on stage, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that it was complete pot luck. And then it actually turned out I had a lot of family history in the game as well. And, you know, I then went down and we, my dad decided that playing in the house wasn't a good idea. We need to play in a, in a more of a game environment, which, you know, growing up was pub environments. Mm -hmm. And we'd go down to the pub and I'd have a practice. And then the local captain came in. And he's like, do you fancy uh, playing for the team? You know, and you, you look quite good. And then first year I won the men's singles. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's not bad. So how old and were you then when you won the men's singles? 13. 13. 13 so you did get you just playing on your own because you know, your dad your dad wasn't into darts or anything it was just you thrown at the board on your own you you got to the stage where you you really were quite good and you could beat you know all the guys in the local area essentially yeah definitely yeah and uh i'll see if i've got literally i've just been given a box of old photographs very recently right. um oh, yeah. and i'll see if i can dig it out out of that box and there's a photo in there and it's of me and I'm just sat with a table full of trophies at this at the local men's presentation night, and I've got everything on the table, like every trophy, most tons, most one eighties, best finish, which yes, it was a one seventy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got all these awards on the table. I've, there was nine awards in total, and I got all nine. The only thing I didn't win was the captain's cup. So you did? Did you realise how good you were until you went and did? That league, because presumably when you started playing against other guys, you realise, hang on, I'm wipe the floor with all these. I must be pretty decent. Unfortunately, yes, um, <laughs> and I think that affected schoolwork a little bit because I don't need GCSEs. I am going to be a professional dart player, which did cause a few debates. You know, the, mm -hmm. the dad got called in a couple of times, and we sat in the head teacher's office while he goes, "What are you going to aspire to in your life? You're going to aspire to nothing with this application." How they got away with talking to children like that, I don't know. But um, <laughs> you're going to aspire to nothing in this life. You know? and, and he goes, well, what, what do you think you're going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a professional dart player. And he's like, how many people in the world do you think are going to be professional dart players? And at the time, we had about, what, 11, 12 people that were mm -hmm. professional dart players when I was at school. And um, he goes, how many millions of people do you think are in the world? And he really took the mick, right? He gets a pen out and he goes... Not point, not, 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 not. He puts loads of zeros on the board and he goes, one. He goes, that's what you're aspiring to be. That's your percentage. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll just do everything it takes to get me to be that percentage. He's like, well, why can't you do that in your schoolwork? Yeah. <laughs> and, but my dad was always supportive. He was probably one of the most supportive parents, you know, and I, I try and model myself on that as well myself. And he was very much along the line of, well, actually, why are you trying to discourage him from this? Shouldn't you be saying something like, well, what would be the backup plan if it doesn't quite, you know, like not discourage the dream, but to try mm -hmm. and put something alongside that? Ironic thing is I ended up being a teacher at that school a couple of years later. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the thing. So you, you obviously, you're, you're sat here now and you are a professional dance player. You're on the PDC circuit and we'll get to that. But you've done a lot of other things along your journey to get to this point. I mean, just, you know, you've been involved in 
wrestling at some point. You've been, as you say, a teacher, sort of sports coach, lots of different things. Just detail the many and varied things you've done in your professional life. Oh, wow. Um, I'm one of them people that if I get an idea in my head, I have to do it. Right. And when I wanted to do wrestling, I had to do wrestling. When I wanted to do MMA, I had to go do MMA. When I wanted to do boxing, I had to do boxing. When I wanted to be a coach, well, I was a teacher at the time, but I decided I wanted to be a football coach. So I had to go and be a football coach. And I've just, I'm just one of those people, like, you know, that life's short, and I don't want to ever look back and go, I wish I'd have done that. So I just do everything I can, you know, everything that's accessible to me, I'll give it a go. And I dare say sometimes it's a bad thing. And, you know, now I am a professional dart player and I've got sponsors and things like that. There's times it still bubbles underneath me. And sometimes I'll get a promoter contact me and be like, do you fancy getting back in the ring? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. And then I'll go and I'll do a bit of training. Then the sponsor will get hold of me. Oh, what are you up to? Oh, I'm just going to training. Training for what? Oh, well, I'm thinking about doing this wrestling match. Don't you dare get in that ring. They're like, and it's like, okay, okay, I'll uh, I'll leave it for a bit then. Have you been seriously hurt doing your wrestling or MMA? I mean, MMA is a serious, serious thing to get into. You, you, they, you can get very, very badly hurt doing that. I've never had any um, instant injuries. I mean, right. I, my, my body is not the body of a 34-year-old. I, I do suffer a little bit from it because I did do this from 18 upwards. My body wasn't fully developed. Um, so there is elements where, you know, I get up in the morning, it sounds like someone's emptied a bag of spanners, you know, with the bones <laughs> crunching and cracking. <laughs> There's times where I get a lot of stiffness that other people my age just wouldn't experience. So I do suffer a little bit from it on that side. But I've been very fortunate. You know, some of the injuries I've had have been more impact injuries where I've just like whacked my knee a little bit and then I've just struggled to walk for a week or something like that. Nothing, mm. nothing overly serious. They're all just things you can shrug off. The things that you have learnt from, whether it be uh, being a teacher, I understand you've got sort of sports psychology qualifications. I think you did one recently, didn't you? Is that right? Uh, the one I did recently was for uh, mental health. Oh, mental health. All oh, right, okay. Um, but I mean, look, that's that's certainly got um, potential applications. Uh, the wrestling, um, the all of this stuff. Do you think that you are bringing those to bear in your darts career? Not just how you train, how you act as you know on stage or whatever, how you deal with the pressure of performing, but also all the other stuff that goes with it. I mean, the the showmanship, the the interview stuff, that that kind of thing, which, let's be honest, there are plenty of dart players out there who are incredibly talented players, right up there in the rankings, won loads of titles, and they are terrified when you stick a microphone in front of them, when in actual fact, it's a big part of the game, isn't it? Oh, it's a huge part of the game, yeah. You know, uh, it's, that, it's relatability, isn't it? You know, if you can't tell your story, then people don't, know your story and people want you know how many good dart players have in the world there's there's many you know we we saw from q school to just recently the super series how the quality is so there from rank probably five down to the full 128 so there's not a lot of difference between most of the players on the tour so if you're someone watching it you know, why would you invest your interest in one player over the other? Interview techniques are vital. I think it's something I'd love to see come into the game a little bit more. You know, when you're doing the wrestling, 
it's part of your training you know you do interview training you do promo training you need to know how to present yourself to the media and i think that's probably the one thing at the moment the game's slightly missing in the development of that so do you see that you see that as part of your persona as a professional dark player are you basically what i'm asking is are you putting this all on matt because somebody like paul nicholson right paul nicholson's one of the first players in this sport who went out there and did something a bit different and he created a character peter manley was was doing it before as well although uh, uh, nicholson did it in a slightly different way and it was it was very very obviously taken from wwe wrestling and he did it. And the established narrative nowadays is that it kind of got in the way of him playing his best darts. And he went from a player who's enormously successful to, to kind of struggling to deal with this monster he'd created. Are you are you aware or concerned about that kind of kind of thing, or are you just being yourself? Or is how how do you how do you see you managing these these issues over the course of your career? I think the Paul Nicholson incident, I think it's a very easy go-to to say the issue was a persona. It's a very cheap answer um, to what is probably a very deep-lying issue. You know, if you actually look deep into some of the things Paul was saying at times, you know, he struggled with a wrist injury. Mm-hmm. I remember a UK Open where he needed to get work on his shoulder. Every single round he was going to get work done on his shoulder in between. I think he was uh, riddled with injuries. I think there's probably other things in there as well, but it's very easy for someone on the outside to say, ah, oh, it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of myself, it's a 50-50 thing. Part of it, yeah, this is me. I, You know, I love having a wind-up. I love taking the mick a little bit away from the board. Nothing on the... I don't do any of this on the board, really, as such. You know, on the board, I'm as serious as anybody else. But also, on the same aspect with that, yes, you do, it's almost, you know, no one will, you look at wrestling, no one will be good at wrestling being themselves. Uh, Peter Wright became better when he developed this snakebite character. Mm -hmm. Matthew Edgar, the dad, which is who I am away from darts, a family man and a dad, isn't going to have any level of intensity or anything that is needed to win elite level sporting games. So yes, there is an element of being able to switch and become someone different, but that person who's different is number 58 in the world and the 170 finishing machine. (laughs) Okay, so here's another one then for you. We haven't touched on this. Edgar TV, this is... I, and I said this when I appeared on Edgar TV the other day. I think it's a really, really interesting thing. It gets an insight for fans as to what it's like to be on the tour. And I think it's of, of great value uh, for that reason. For a start, did you think it would get as big as it is now? Because you, you actually make some decent money on this. You get All your sponsors come from have come through Edgar TV. This has turned into a massive success for you personally, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think when I actually decided to apply myself to it was this time when I said that this is going to be a success. You know, like I said, when I get an idea in my head, I will do what it takes to get me to that point. And, you know, it it all started as a joke. It really was just a mess around night in and it all started. And then it actually, it's now become a massive part of my life, you know. It's 
something I really enjoy doing as well. I really enjoy it. It gives me a little bit of a distraction away from the serious side of uh, professional darts because I don't work as such now. So, and I'm, you can probably guess just by the things that we've already said that I've done in my life, that I'm not one of these people that can just sit and focus on one thing all day. I can't get up in the morning and go, right, it's time to practice darts today mm. and then practice darts all day and then be like, right, okay, that's it. I can go to bed now. The thing that people don't get is when we talk about professional darts, people think, well, championships, lights, camera, action, it, it's going to be a great lifestyle. What they don't think is, well, actually, when I wake up in the morning, the missus has already gone to work. So I'm sat by myself all day. Then she comes home, she's a bit tired, she has a dinner, she goes to the, gets in the bath, whatever. We've got a couple of hours and then it repeats. Weekend comes around, she's at home. My mates are at home. I'm away on tour. Mm. The unsociable side of it, these are the things that kind of get missed a little bit with it. So for me to be able to go online and do some interaction and... It, sometimes it's almost just like a vlog you know remember big brother and they used to do the diary room and it used to be mm -hmm. a place there they could go and it used to help them it's kind of like my diary room it's a place i can go there's actual people on there that i can interact with i've actually made some good friends off of the back of doing that like you said i've ended up with sponsors off the back of it it's been nothing but positive and yeah i'm so glad that i did it so is that the real Matt Edgar on Edgar TV? Or is that also part of a performance of Matt Edgar, the dart player? Most of it is is me. Yes, most. I mean, everything I put forward is, is me. I mean, there's sometimes like... With the wrestling... I'll go back to wrestling again. There was a phrase said in wrestling that the very best characters in life are not people that play characters, but people who, are who themselves... Just with the volume turned up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Accentuating that, certain elements. Yeah, and, and that's me, you know. Um, I think you know, we look at some of the places that I've, I've turned the volume up a little bit, mostly things like the World Championships and things like that. But on the same aspect, I'm also, when we go to that performance element, for 45 minutes when you play something like the World Championship, you are the most relevant thing in the world of darts for 45 minutes. Because you're on the World Championship stage playing the game that is active at that time. How do you take something from them 45 minutes that makes the guy sat on the train remember one of your 45 minutes over the other people's? And that's where you need to turn the volume up a little bit. The rest of the time, like I say, it, it, it is just all, all me. I mean, there's some things I have to turn the volume down on a little bit because I know I can't get away with saying or doing some of the things mm -hmm. that... I would do in a normal sense and there's been many people that i took a took a bit of a prank shall we say off a, off of me in recent in recent months even that i just wouldn't get away with um on there so yeah there's there's elements of it turned up there's elements of it turned down as well so it meets somewhere in the middle all right well look i've been keeping you talking for the best part of 20 minutes i could i could do twice that but let's let's wrap it up um I'm allowing you to turn the, turn the volume up. Give the people, uh, the Good Darts podcast listeners, something to remember you by as you sign off with your big Good Darts podcast interviewee debut. You actually co-hosted this before, uh, but this is the first time we've interviewed you, Matt. Give, us, give the people something to remember you by 
What should they take away from this this chat? Well, the first thing they should take away is they should get themselves onto YouTube, get over to Edgar <laughs> TV, and get the subscription on there because that way you can get more of the prime time player. You can get a little bit more. You know, like Dan's just said, we've been chatting for twenty minutes, and that's quite short for me because I am my favourite topic. If there's one topic I can sit and chat about, that's me. And if you want to hear me sit and chat about me, I can do this all day long over on Edgar TV. So get yourselves over there. That would be my parting gift. And, and what a gift that is. You know, that's what the gift. gift that keeps giving. Yeah, it, just, it, it keeps on giving and giving, even if you want it to stop. It just keeps on <laughs> giving. Matt Edgar, thank you very much. <laughs> Matt Edgar there, I genuinely could have spoken to him for, for ages. I, I think he's one of the most interesting players involved in this sport. He's got lots of different angles to him, which is not something you could say for a lot of players, and a lot of very successful players. But, Wayne, you were a showman. You still are. You still are. People have seen your exhibitions, some of them. Um, how important do you think it is, particularly in this sport, in the sport of darts, to be a showman, to give people something other than how well you can throw darts at a very small target? Well, firstly, firstly, uh, you're right. You, you can you can listen to Matt and think, this guy has got passion for the game. He knows what he's, he's on about. But I agree fully about kind of, call it the media training, but the media side of it. Mm. There's a fine line between being... Uh, an entertainer and, and a darts uh, entertainer. I, I used to overstep the mark and I know I did, but I couldn't stop it. What uh, Dimitri Vandenberg is, is a prime example. He wants to entertain, but he can't when he's playing. Yeah, he so does it all he does, in the walk-on and then he goes... I mean, Dimitri, yep. the contrast between Dimitri and the walk-on and his interviews and stuff and Dimitri the dart player is, is quite vast, really, isn't it? It's incredible. It, it's it's a bit like Peter Wright in a way, but Peter's got maybe that little bit more about him. Uh, mm. Devon's very similar. They they want to entertain, but they can't do it as they're playing. And watching watching Matt Edgar play at the World Championships, it, there was a couple of times, and his finishing was was astonishing. Mm. Uh, yeah, for the first time ever for him in the World <laughs> Championships. No, you, I've never said it before. Uh, Matthew, if you're listening, uh, there's 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 a sign there for you to to keep those doubles up, but maybe it more trebles. And we said that during the worlds, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. impressed with him. But anyway, anyway, we won't won't slate him anymore. Uh, he's right. It look we we all want to to be the best in our field, but there's there's ways of doing it. I I could not personally play a straight game of darts. I couldn't walk from A to B. That was the A being the walk on, B being the stage and just do nothing because my adrenaline just wouldn't let me do it. I needed to calm down mm. to the detriment of my game. And during the game, and if no one's ever ever seen me play in a world championship match, uh, then then you've, you've not missed anything. <laughs> uh, but I, I, Anybody I who only watched the final down. wouldn't have, but there were plenty of other opportunities. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I missed that. I, I, I missed that. Uh, no, you, you're 100% right. But I, I couldn't contain myself because 
I one I wanted to entertain, but I wanted to relieve that pressure on me. And it just come out in an entertaining way where I might, I don't know, run around the stage for, for a, a couple of seconds or so and just be an absolute clown. And what I like about about uh, Matt is that he gets that it works in other sports. And like, I, I can't stand wrestling. It, no, it's not I, even I, a sport. And I, I don't get it either. Him again, but the what? showmanship, that, uh, no, that no, is no, a no. thing though, isn't it? That is a, look, showmanship. We've touched on this in this podcast. We've had we've had guests on. I've asked them about this. We, a lot of a common theme in darts over the last ten years has been the inc- well twenty years even has been the increased levels of professionalism. Players taking it more seriously. Players doing yeah. things, changing their lifestyles, changing their approach, changing their behaviour to take it more seriously yeah. because the stakes are a lot higher, the money is a lot higher, and people can do this and 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 become very very rich off the back of it. It's not just a little hobby, a little game, no matter how Johnny Clayton no. approaches it. Um, but it isn't. And by doing that, you are going to knock some of the rough edges off. Ca- You're going to lose some of those characters. Now, that is a bit of yeah. a loss because that's one of the things that made darts so popular back in the day. There were these, you know, big, larger than life characters, but they were like guys you'd run into in the pub and there were normal people doing extraordinary things. Now, we, we are losing a little bit of that, but that yeah. that can be replaced if you get players treating it like Peter Wright who's got this character that he plays as a darts player. And that's actually helped his game. Matt Edgar, who is consciously trying to craft something that is sellable. He's selling the show. And it's not just selling himself as a dart player. It's selling the product of darts. And that... That's right. that That's the whole point of this. This is entertainment as well as sport. I... When I do an exhibition, when it doesn't matter if it's in front of 30 people or, or like we have in... in Cologne, there's one that we've done for 17,000 people. My, I'm running a business and the, the, the product is me. And I need to portray me in what I think is the most sellable fashion. I, I'm lucky, Dan. I happen to really enjoy uh, showing off my product. I, I, I love what I do. I'm, I'm fortunate, which is why it was easy for me to pack up playing professional darts on the circuit at the age mm. of 38. I, I had no I had no qualms about that. I hated, I absolutely hated playing in Wigan, playing in Barnsley, Doncaster. Oh, uh, Vincent van der Voort, calm down. They, they, yeah. Like, yeah, sorry. This yeah. is the dream. But, this is the dream no, getting on the PDC tour. Trips to Wigan, that's, that's the golden ticket yeah. for fuck's sake. Do you know what? It hurt me. It hurt me every time I'd walk down the corridors of these venues. Donna would look at me. Donna would look at me, and I swear there was pity in her eyes. It was like my husband is going to go through the ringer today. Even the ones, even the ones where I got fortunate and actually won, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Oh. It's like, oh, not another game, please. No, no, let me just lose. Come on now. But, but all, all kidding aside. Uh, it's it's a shame. It really is a shame that I still get it to this day. And this is what's the shame. I still get it to this day. Wayne, if you'd have concentrated more and stopped acting the fool, the clown, you would have been a world champion. Look, I'd completely and utterly disagree. If That's... I played the straight man, I would never have got to five semifinals, Dan. I'd That's have the question. It was right, all too I... much for me. 
I, I, because I, I am a hundred percent convinced Peter Wright would not have been, you know, become one of the greatest players I have ever, ever seen. I've said this before. I genuinely think he's one of the most yeah, talented, incredible players I've ever seen in the history of the game. Um, I don't think he could have done that if he hadn't created this persona because that was his armor. It was his war paint. It was everything that, right. that allowed him to go up there and perform under that pressure. Now that's yes. one. That's one thing he does. He created this this persona. Somebody like Ricky Evans or Matt Edgar, they go up there. They're creating this persona. I'm not even sure it's to help them play their best darts. They just want to become a, a marketable product. But I don't know. I don't know with, say, you or Bobby George. I know you were showing off, yeah. but I don't know. Were you doing that just because? Was it? Was it? It was just natural. It came out of me. Was it? I need yeah. to do this to so I distract the pressure, and it actually helps me play better. Or was it a slightly, almost a more cynical thing, a bit like Matt Edgar and, and Ricky Evans, I think, who just go, if I do this, people will pay attention to me, and they might give me money and opportunities and stuff like that. Or is it a combination of all of it? Is it difficult to pick apart why you behave the way you do, it, these showmen? Right, first off, it, this started when I was kind of 15, 16, walking onto a county stage... And I noticed then that my adrenaline levels, my my nerves uh, on top of that, I needed to, to quell it. I needed to quell them somehow. And what I found I did was to kind of, I, I'd, I'd stand up. I used to come on to Lulu shout in county games. Now, to, to, to just tell you what a county game is all about, there'd be about four or 500 people in a hall one stage, one board, and the draw's done. 12 players uh, from Essex that I used to play for playing 12 players from, from Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. And the time comes for you to play. So it's welcome to the stage. Wayne from Essex, Wayne Mardell, or should I say Mardell? Yeah, obviously. And that's his name. It would start off. It would start off. And, and I'm like, right. So I'm straight up on a chair, straight up on a chair, and I'm, I'm geeing the crowd up. And do you know what? All of a sudden, I found I become. Do you know what? I'm in control here. I'm in control. My nerves seem to have just tapered a little, and I'm all right. I get on stage, and I'm still acting a bit of a clown, but it's making me feel more relaxed. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I can be a showman, and I absolutely love it. And, and it I'm, helps I'm your game. Go as far as to, it helps me. It helps so, me. I'm going to go as far as to say. Me and Bobby George are probably the only two that I'm I'm certain feel comfortable with it. That's interesting. You see, because the the question I was going to uh, we know you've you've already detailed uh, on this fine podcast. Uh, I might have to go back and edit the word "fine" out there, but on this spot you've said how <laughs> you've managed to win games or get advantages in games by acting up, by being, let's charitably say. A character. Do you ever think it's got in yeah. the way of you winning games? Do you ever think you've lost games you should have won because of you, for want of a better word, cocking about? Yes. Yes. I have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I yeah. Have yeah. Lost games. <laughs> I have. Be because I, of I, that. I, there was the early days of the Premier League. Uh, I. This is going to sound so unprofessional, but it's not. It's not meant to come across that way. It was, we were told it was like a, a, an exhibition event. You should, that nothing's going uh, to the, 
order of merit or the ranking uh, table as it as it was then. You just still good money though, ten grand to turn up. Hmm. Yeah, huh? still good yeah, money it, though, wasn't it? Then it was. It was great money. It was great mm. money, but it was that case of we're getting we're getting ten grand just to turn up. It was it was something like twelve grand for a world semi final spot at the time, or, or uh, twenty five grand if you make the final. It was amazing money. But what happened with me personally, unlike any other player in it, was like every week I'm on stage and I'm on Sky Sports. I, I, I'm going to enjoy this. And week after week after week, I would come off and Donna would say, seriously, Wayne, you have to take this more seriously. You really do. You you really. And I'm like, I'm loving it. This is amazing. And I never I never took it seriously for probably like the first two years. So it may have cost me wins. Uh, who's to say it might have cost me something. I don't know. But there's one thing I'm absolutely certain about. Mm. Not at any point in my career has it cost me a game in a ranked televised event. I've lost because I've not been good enough or I've won because sometimes, do you know what? You can get to players when you're not as good as them. And none of it is by cheating. None mm. of it is by touching them. None of it is by, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, breaking the rules. All of it is played all of it is done within the rules. And I got pulled up once for, for singing during a, a, a game. Uh, we were at a break and I was playing John Part in the in uh, the Desert Classic. He was one set up, first of four in the semi-final. Phil Taylor's already through. Well, it was such, such a dull event. I just took, <laughs> up, took hold of the mic and started singing, Oh, Las Vegas, the devil gave us to you. Well, John Park comes on stage and he's got a face like thunder. I don't know, but he's already had a word with Tommy Cox to say, I want him fined. He's out of order. He's being disrespectful. This is an important game. Do you know what? I was so bored with a game. I had to liven myself up. Well, he folded and I didn't. And to this day, it was a magnificent outcome. And thank you, Tony Christie. There we go. Tony Christie, who never got a share of that prize money, has helped Wayne Mardle win again. Was that a ranked event? That wasn't a ranked event, though, was it? Yes. Oh, was it ranked? Yes. Oh, it was ranked. Yes. Oh, even yes. better. Even yes. better. Yes. Well, look, I mean, yeah. that's that's why we do. Look, we do this book. We've spoken to Edgar there because I, I want to speak. I want to get the stories from the characters of the game because there are characters in this game. I know that we've talked about that we're we're losing certain elements of this game because it's getting more professional. But there are characters, and let's be honest, the TV companies aren't doing it. When was the last time you saw Sky or ITV go and do an in-depth interview with any of these players and give you a little bit of insight into? Yeah. It's nothing. It's a two-minute thing, uh, once per yeah. tournament usually. So it's it's down to I idiots agree. like us to go and and actually find these stories, and they are there. You've just got to look for it. But he is one of the ones that is interesting and that's what makes this sport brilliant because it is still as professional as more professional it's getting the more money that's coming into it there is still just normal people with he used to live above a shop he went to blackpool as a fan he started out playing darts because he got a crappy little bit of lino from blackpool pleasure beach and started throwing sucker darts at it and now he's on the pdc tour um look we're not going to win a 
Pulitzer Prize for finding this incredible story because he's a man who's broadcasting it all over YouTube on his own social media channels. But still, it is interesting. And so is the UK Open, which we're going to take a look at now. These are the questions that you should be asking when we're live. Oh, we're alive now. We're not live now. Are you interviewing me or not? Seriously. These are the questions that you should be asking when we're live. Oh, we're alive now. We're not live now. Seriously. There you are on television. So the UK Open is just around the corner, both in terms of time uh, and in terms of geography, because it's being held in Milton Keynes, where everything's in a grid system, so everything's around a corner, uh, which I think is actually the most Alan Partridge thing I've ever said in my life. Uh, Dan, no, it's not. Is it? (laughs) Oh, God. The thing is that, I mean, naturally, I would want to edit that out, but if I do, then Wayne will just hold that over me forever. Okay, I have seen loads of people getting misty-eyed on on social media about, oh, the the UK Open, it's going to have all eight boards in the same room, just like it used to be in the old days in Baltic. It doesn't bloody matter. There's no fans there. They may as well have a different board on eight different planets. It makes no odds. Um, However, that is what's happening, So, and I'm going to be there, so it'll be quite nice for me. It'll be interesting. It'll save running around Minehead. I mean... My Fitbit won't get much use, but even so, it'll be easier to get around the place. The draw has been done for the first three rounds. Um, predictably, yeah. uh, we get Barney on the main stage, potentially twice on Friday afternoon. Or do we, Wayne? Because I don't think mm. you will. Because I think that Alan Souter is going to beat Raymond Van Barneveld on his TV return since coming out of retirement. Do you believe that's the case? Uh, I, I'm I'm a real fan of of Suter, and we discussed him, didn't we? We we said we're looking yeah. forward to seeing him on on the the previous uh, Low Six podcast. Dan, I, I I think this is an horrendous draw for our yeah. RVB. Suter's uh, even know, better I, than I thought. He's even better than I, I thought. We said at Q School, oh, if Suter? he's yeah, he's 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 so solid, right? If you're off your game, he's going to cause you. Po- no, it's not. You can be on your game and he'll still spank you. Yeah. He's amazing. Fair he's point. back-to-back 105 averages, beating Peter Wright, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Honestly, he's even yeah. better than I thought. And he is going to be such a weapon over the next couple of years on the Pro Tour. You do not want to play him. And he's going. To, I, don't, I think it won't take long until Alan Suter's in the seeded positions in these Pro Tour events. And that's when you'll really see him like knocking people about. Because... He doesn't yeah. get go in price in round one or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you still back Barney to beat him, seeing as you are something of a no. Barney backer? Oh, you don't. I, I'm a I'm a Barney backer, but look, I, I I'm I'm a believer in kind of circumstance and everything else. So I I think Barney's going to put himself under so much pressure. It is rejoined the the uh, the circuit. Uh, look, he. he he got his card easily enough and he won at the weekend. Everything is great. Everything's great. But in Suter, I'm trying to think of a worse draw. Possibly could have been Damon Hetter. Uh, but there, there aren't many. There aren't mm. many in, in round round one. But Barney can't I think he's, I think, it. to be Barney fair, I think can't... it's round two they're going in at. Because round Barney, two, sorry. Yeah, sorry, you're because correct. they got enough you're money yeah, to, to get yeah. out of the round one. Yeah, sorry, stages. my mistake. But my yeah, mistake. early rounds, and early rounds. Yeah, it's, 
Suter will think, look, it's a stinker for him as well. It, it really is. But look, we know Barney, and like I've already uh, alluded to, he can't be shaking his head. And it's a game, it's a game that is going to be tough for him, but he's got to perform in a way that no one should ever be dictated to by, by the public's perception. But Barney will be. Barney knows that he can't shake his head. Barney knows that he can't say the wrong thing. Barney's under a bit of pressure here. And it's it's only, what will it be, three weeks into his uh, professional mm -hmm. status. And I don't see it going well for him. I would love to be wrong at the end of the day when Barney's in the final with, with MVG. But I, I think Suter is such, such a good player. And I've used mm -hmm. solid before. Maybe wrongly, maybe wrongly. I, I I just think it's the it's the the standout tie, and I know there's there's probably people like darts fans who perhaps you know yeah not not all darts fans are going to watch all the pro tour stuff. That's for the hardcore anoraks. That's for you know people like me. Yeah. But you know if you weren't aware of Alan Souter, and there's no reason why you would be, because it's not as if he's one of the big noises from the WDF system who's moved over. Um, he. he dabbled in and out but we knew he was quite good we knew he was good and then he's come over and shown that actually he's flipping amazing then uh, you might look at that and think alan suter i don't know is barney will just blitz through him and then it's mickey mantle and the next he'll, he'll beat him and yeah barney's gonna go on a run i'm not so sure um we're gonna do what we were gonna do for the super series wayne i want i want three players from you you can have a big name right you can have a sort of second yeah. anybody outside the top 16 and then you can have somebody, you know, a new tour card or somebody outside the sixty-four, somebody further down. You know, we, you know, the three okay. tiers of player, and then we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do it on points um, because there, there will be PDC picks. That uh, I know it's really difficult with the UK Open because it's open draw and it's difficult for them to create markets. But I'm pretty sure that there'll be uh, games on the PDC picks app where you can get involved and win cash prizes for free to enter tournaments. But we're gonna do our own one. So I want three players. Uh, Playground rules. Right. You pick a player, I pick a player. Uh, if you win it, yeah. 10 points. If you make the final, 7 points. 5 for the semis, 3 for the quarters. And we'll chuck right. in a point for the last 16 because the UK Open is just so notoriously mental. Um, but if yeah. you can give me 3 players. You can, you can go for go for your big name player first and then I'll go for my big name right. player. So where, where are well, you looking? Do you know what? I think he retains... I think MVG retains. Oh, yeah, you know what? As I liked a bit of what I saw. Yeah, that's... I, no, I saw I did. liked a bit. It was only mm. a bit. It was only a bit. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? But then if he gets, gets to the later rounds where it's longer format, that's when you think, well, he's less likely to lose with his 102 average like he was doing in that first to six game yeah. of the PDC Super Series. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I sort of had... MVG is my pick, but I'm I'm gonna move away. I'm gonna go for the for the obvious one. There. I'm gonna go Johnny Clayton. There we go. That's my top sixteen oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, actually, the um, run is he in the top sixteen. I'm not right? even sure he is in the top. Don't care. He's no, he's not in the top. He's eighteenth. I think eighteenth yeah. now. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Johnny Clayton. So that's that's right. my that's uh, is it, you you could pick MVG. Arguably the second best. Well, you reckon the greatest player of all time? Do you not? Yeah, I, I've I've never seen a better. I've seen I've seen the more consistent player, mm, but the greatest uh, player is, of all time, which is Phil Taylor. 
and I'm going for but the greatest. I've never seen anyone be as accurate as as Michael Van Gerwen when he's on. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go for the greatest plasterer ever to play darts, Johnny the Ferret Clayton. <laughs> uh, I love that. So there we go. Uh, right, what about your second tier pick? Where are you looking? I mean, you know, we, we can be pretty loose with this. I mean, you know, anywhere, anybody outside the top 10, I'll give you. Right, okay. This is a, a man who I've highlighted. Okay, man, it, yes. It has... It, well, it could be Ashton. Although, uh, no, and uh, I think... i tell you what, that Lisa Ashton-Aaron Beanie game looks absolutely fascinating, doesn't it? Aaron Beanie not only was throwing his best ever averages in the PDC at the Super Series, but then beat Gerwin Price. He's playing... Honestly, yeah. I, I know... I'm going to get him on the podcast because he's another one that's really interesting. I know when he first I turned agree. up, people have gone, oh, he's he's not going to win anything. He's barely going to win a game. There were people on social media, rather cruelly, I felt, saying, will Aaron Beanie yeah. even win a game in his first year? And he did win a game. Yeah. He won a few of them. Never got past round two. But then he did for the first time at the Super Series and he threw his highest every averages in the 90s and he beat the world number one and world champion as well. I mean, I, yeah. I have to say, Aaron Beanie, what an absolute warrior. And he's done it all with incredibly good grace. He's got a lot of time for Aaron Beanie and we're going to get him on the podcast at some point because I, I think he's a very, very interesting character. But anyway, uh, yeah, aside from Lisa Ashton uh, and Aaron Beanie, give us a, give us a second name. I think this guy's got a big win in him this year, Christoph Rutajski. Oh, you are picking some crackers, but he's not the name I had down because Christoph actually played some decent stuff at the Super Series and didn't really have the impact that I thought he was going to have. That's the his one problem. He plays well, well and yeah. loses. Well, he does, in, yeah, he does, although on the Pro Tour he tends to play well and win. I mean, he's won a lot on the Pro Tour yeah, in quite a point. short period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I tell you who I tell you who was playing well and losing, uh, and he was doing it in the uh, Super Series. And quite frankly, I think it's about time that he won something like a, a title of some sort. Never even won on the Development Tour. Never won on the Challenge Tour. I don't think. And yet, if you have a look at the last few. TV events. He has made the quarterfinals or better in all of the last four, I believe. You on about he was, Dirk? I am on about Dirk. He was playing some yeah. magnificent stuff yeah. at the Super Series, and yet he wasn't in the quarters and the semis and the fight in the mix. He kept no. finding ways to lose. I think that Dirk Van Dijvenbode might be about to pop um, if he hasn't already. Okay. I mean, look, you know, doing what he's done over the last year suggests that he has already popped, but. Um, I just think he's playing some wonderful darts right now, and I think Dirk Van Dijvenbode is. So I'm gonna, I'm going to pick him and Johnny Clayton. Who's going to be your pick from the rest of the pack? Right, I'm, I'm picking someone I've worked closely with the last four, five months. Well, three, yeah, four months, mm -hmm. and not because he happens to be playing the darts of his life. I'm taking a tiny bit of credit, but it's always the players I'd work. I'll just have a, a minuscule input. I really want to see the form continue of Joe Mernon. He's got to start Ooh, winning games. I didn't, A, I didn't realise you'd been working with him. And B, he was playing some really good stuff, Joe Mernon. Excellent How does news. he keep losing? How does he keep losing? Yeah, that is interesting. 
Oh, well, no, I'm a big, big fan. How am? Um, well, tell, give us a bit of his insight then, because Joe Joe's a guy who's been in and around the tour for quite a number yeah. of years now. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing yeah. Joe make the final day of a Euro tour, um, and I think that was the first time I'd ever really seen him play. And he was playing some decent stuff then. But we're going. But that was when Gary Anderson was on the Euro tour. It was the famous Gary Anderson Michael Van Gogh final where they both. I think Van Gogh won it with 117 average, um, but Gary had beaten Joe Mernon in the last 16 of the quarters or something like that. Um, but Joe's been in and around PDC Darts for quite a number of years now. What what have you done, or what has he done with your help to try and get him to the next level? Well, the, the, the back end of last year, he failed to get in the world, which meant he lost his card and... He was kind of distraught, and so he he basically reached out and said, "Right, I, I need I need guidance here. I need I need someone to grab hold of me and, and tell me what what I'm doing wrong because I, I I want to get my card back at Q School. So the whole point of of what we're doing was to get him through Q School, and he played magnificently. He played brilliantly. He was excellent, and he, he was. And again, he was." coming unstuck in tight games and it, it will come and during the, the, the Super Series uh, the four events he, he won five games but no one uh, you can go by averages, they're only a guide, he averaged just shy of 99 in five mm. matches, now that's something he's never ever 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 got near before but uh, it, he's been a million miles away and basically we can all iron out wrinkles in, in our action. And that's that's all I did with him. That's all I did. He's got a very uh, good basis of a... Of a and he's got a decent throw. But he just needed to, to iron out the wrinkles. that He, he wasn't sure what he was doing wrong. I, I put him on, on the straight and narrow. And he's he will reap rewards. But I really want him to, to start getting through these tight games. And... You know now you can average a hundred down and you don't you don't run home six nil like like what used to happen. You've yeah, got to like, win those yeah. big legs and he's not winning them. Well look, you keep playing well, you've got a chance of it turning. Uh I'm not really sure about Luke Humphreys at the minute, because quite frankly, all I see him do is play well and lose, and I'm convinced that it's going to turn for him at some point. I would have picked Luke Humphreys, yeah, but you've left me Alan Souter. I'm gonna pick Alan Souter as my third one. Yeah, so I I'm... did on purpose. I I, yeah. I knew. I knew. <laughs> That's no so I've got I've got Ferret, uh, I've got Dirk, and I've got Alan Souter. Uh you've got Joe Mernon. Uh you have got hang on, who else have you got? MVG. And yeah. your and second and Christopher Rutowski. That That's a pretty strong team. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, a little insight there into Wayne Mardle, uh, the Essex Bendicock, uh, keeping Joe Mernon on the straight and narrow and getting <laughs> phenomenal results. I, I think we're going to wrap up there because we've been talking for absolutely ages. Uh, but thank you very much, Wayne. Uh, if you are... Uh, watching the UK Open. If you are watching the Super Series in a couple of weeks' time, we are going to be back uh, after the UK Open anyway, and, and certainly before the Super Series. Uh, but check out the PDC Picks app, uh, Small Stakes Betting. It's loads of free-to-enter tournaments. It's just like a game, essentially, uh, against other players uh, with a chance to win actual cash money. Uh, you, you get points for your predictions. It's not just who wins. It's like 180s, highest checkouts, things like that. And you get points for that. And what do points mean, Wayne? Uh, prizes, Dan. 
No, they don't mean prizes. Prizes don't pay the bills, do they? It means cash. Sweaty watches of cash. Oh, money. Yeah, money. Cash money. money. That's what it is. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Cash Sorry. money. Uh, Dan, I've completely switched off, mate. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. You, you thought I was winding up there, but then I brought you back in. That was, yeah. I brought you back in. Uh, but anyway, check out the PDC picks up this weekend uh, for the UK Open. All gets going on Friday. Uh, if you do join in, though, you've got to be 18 years old, resident in the UK. Terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. If you don't, then every single piece of official sort of ID, your your you know your driving license, uh, if you've got an ID card, your passport, everything like that, it will say Bendy Cock rather than your actual name. And that is going to be a very embarrassing situation. Uh, although you will also get name checks in every interview that Barney does. And if you're a friend that's problem with gambling, visit begamblerware.org.